I mean, listen, I'm just surprised that you didn't, in your insomnia last night, try to watch Annette again. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, we're gonna today. We are gonna talk about two two streaming movies, uh, Cruella, which becomes available on Disney Plus for no extra fee this weekend after being released via Premier Access back in May, and Annette, which hit Amazon Prime Video back uh, I think a week ago, not not too long ago. And yeah, I I tapped out on Annette after about thirty five minutes, so I'm gonna definitely cede the floor to you for that one. I I might go back at some point, but at the same time, I might never think about the movie ever again after today. Yeah, you know what? That is totally fair. Well, let's <laughs> let's get into it. As as you know, this is must watch where we talk about everything streaming. And yeah. what is streaming is two vastly, vastly different cinematic experiences. <laughs> like very much on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I think we're going to save a net for last because <laughs> it's such a mind fuck of a creation uh-huh. and because I just simply couldn't yes. finish it. Uh, yes. So let's start with Cruella. Jean, what are your overall thoughts on this movie? Which, you know, a lot of people are going to catch up on this week, you know, not to get too technical on everybody. But for all of the movies that have been released via Disney Plus Premier Access, when it still costs $30, when it's gone to Disney Plus proper, we've seen huge spikes in viewership. Understandable, because it's no extra charge for subscribers. So you can expect a few million people to check it out this weekend, most likely. Yeah, and I have to say, I was very, very surprised at how much I liked it. Uh, I will I will put this out there. Cruella was the very first movie I saw back in the theaters after, you know, a year. Oh, plus. that's a nice return. Yeah, I went to a press screening at the El Capitan Theater in, uh, you know, in the middle of Hollywood. And so that also made it kind of an event. Um, and also like it was really interesting the way that they distanced it. Um, you, we sat every other row and there were like eight seats between every person in the theater. Oh, wow. um, but it was also, but, but like, that was nice. Cause we were all kind of like, what's going on here? You know, like we're vaccinated now, but like, is this safe? You're back so, out in public. You're like, the yeah. sun, it burns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I haven't been exactly. outside my home in mm-hmm. you know, 18 months. So I did see it on a actual big screen. Um, And so I just want to set the scene for like, this was definitely a different cinematic experience than watching a screener on my computer or watching this in my living room. But I really, really enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that the casting was really fun. It's basically Cruella DeVille is like a you know, an orphan as one is in a Disney movie. Um, But she's coming (laughs) of age in like 70s punk rock London and she's a fashion designer. And it was just such a really fun aesthetic. And I just kind of enjoyed the story more than I thought it would. I didn't give, I did not care about Cruella DeVille as a Disney villain. And I was like, how are they going to redeem this woman who killed puppies and made a coat? Like legitimately <laughs> that is unforgivable. Cause that's hard to come back uh, yeah. from, you know, that's the Ted Bundy yeah. of the Disney universe. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they found a way to like, no, she didn't kill any puppies in, in this movie. There is no <laughs> puppy killing. 
Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, I, I really just, the whole atmosphere, um, was, was really enjoyable. What about you? I'm largely in the same boat as you, Gina. I wrote most of what I'm about to say back when I reviewed the movie in May, but you know, I, I liked that it was this slightly more mature, slightly darker Disney tale than its live action reimagining predecessors. You know, I think Emma Stone was effervescent as Cruella, which I wasn't expecting because she is just chewing scenery in enjoyably exaggerated excess, you know, really hamming it up. And it's cool because the character, as she plays, it goes from someone who wants to climb the ladder of this cutthroat fashion world to just knocking it over and letting anyone above her plummet all the way down. And I like that, you know, PG version of Walter White to, to Scarface type of transition. Uh, the movie is very messy. There's a lot going on, but it's kind of scrumptious. It's unwieldy yet vibrant. I think its plot is all over the place, but the sum of its excellently executed parts amounts to a whole. It feels like a turning point for Disney when it comes to live action reimaginings. A lot of them have been very stale and flat. This felt like a deviation with style. You know, like I said, it, it's overstuffed. It's overly long. Two hours and 14 minutes doesn't need to be like that because it flits from kind of focus to focus. It begins as an origin story. Then it segues into childhood connection. Then it lasts through adulthood. And then he, it's going to be a start and stop momentum of her career. Then it settles into its true identity, which is a revenge theor- thriller. And through all of that upheaval, it can be a, a bit much, but it's never, it's rarely ever dull. I think Emma Stone and Emma Thompson are having a ball hamming it up as this kind of rivalry of kind of almost matriarch incumbent power and the young upstart coming to dethrone her. I thought it was really, really entertaining. And it's it's less of a cat and mouse movie and more of a snake and mongoose. That's That's how I would say. They're fighting with their claws out. So overall, to end this little rant, I agree. I was shocked how much I enjoyed it. And I hope Disney takes a cue from Cruella in future reimaginings to breathe a little bit of fresh life into what has been a somewhat, you know, artistically bankrupt endeavor thus far. (laughs) Well, listen, I think that um, everything you're saying about the runtime and kind of it's this and then it's this and then it's this, uh, might have something to do with the fact that there are five credited writers plus wow, the original five. writer of the that. book. Yeah, legitimately there are five credited writers on this movie and like you can tell. Like it's it is stuffed to the brim. Um and you can kind of see where you know there were studio notes and and why right. there were five different people who worked on this that we know of. Um because Tony McNamara, who wrote The yeah. Favorite and who created The Great on Hulu, he's credited as one. And, and it definitely has that stylish, raw, raw period piece vibe. But but to hear that there's five, it makes more so much more sense when it starts to careen off the rails a little bit at times. Yeah, exactly. So um, Dana Fox and Tony McNamara are credited with the screenplay. And then Aline Brosh McKenna, Kelly Marcel, and Steve Zizis are credited with the story, which means that they did an earlier draft. And you can definitely tell Aline Brosh McKenna's influence. She wrote The Devil Wears Prada. And obviously there are very many Devil Wears Prada vibes in this. Um, It's funny to think about because I can see the individual styles of several of these people. 
Um, and somehow it still worked. And I think that probably has a lot of credit to go to Emma Stone because I think she is really great. And also I really loved the the fashion and just the aesthetic. Yeah. You, you say the individual styles of each of these screenwriters for better and for worse. And I can't help but be reminded of the, you know, technicolor collaboration creations of the fashion within the movie. It, it is a bit part and parcel and they go hand in hand. And I, I kind of like that, that there is a mush, which is usually a negative connotation. And again, there are flaws in this movie that we just mentioned, but here all the paint is on the canvas and it does work and coalesce more than it doesn't. And I, and I like that there's this conflicting style and these opposing ideologies and these, okay, we're going to have a quick little dialogue repartee. And then we're going to have like an action sequence. And then there's going to be a comedy beat. And, you know, it's lively. It's very lively. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what do you think of this iteration of Cruella versus the other, you know, pop culture Cruellas that we've seen? If you're talking about Emma Stone versus Glenn Close, oh, it's, it's hard because I was never a huge 101 Dalmatians fan as a little kid when it came out. I, I probably saw it once, maybe saw 102 Dalmatians once. Glenn Close is a living legend, but this is this arrives at a time where I was paying much more attention. So I would have to go back and rewatch the original Dalmatian movies, but I have a feeling just based on timing, I'll be like, oh, you know, I, I, I go with Stone, even though Close has had a better career comparatively, though Stone obviously has a lot of time to, to catch up. It's, it's, it's hard for me to pick against Glenn Close, though, because I think she should have won an Oscar for The Wife over Olivia Colman, and now you're making me pick against her now. Oh, I feel so bad for you, Glenn Close. I'm so sorry. It's true. But listen, Glenn Close is doing fine. She's great. It's true. Um, she does deserve her Oscar. I have faith that she will get it Sunday. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, what did you think, though, in terms of comparing this, these iconic female uh, characters that are the same, but taken on by two of their generation stars? Yeah, I think that it's hard to compare them to because they're just like kind of you know, in two different places, right? Glenn Close is the villain that we know and love and Emma Stone is the like young version. They they definitely can be complimentary. Um, and they do make you empathize yeah. with Emma Stone's iteration. And they also include the fact that she, she herself says she's a little bit mad. It is a little bit of a, a mental health story as well. Yeah, yeah. And like, the thing about these Disney movies that have been, you know, like reimagining the villain's point of view is that like, I don't really care about the villain's point of view. So the way that they got me to care about this was Emma Stone, who is an actress I really, really enjoy. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really loved her in it. I have a question for you. Now, Disney would never admit it, but Craig uh, Giuseppe, or Gillespie, I apologize if I'm butchering that, who directed Itania and directed this here, he might say yes. Do you think Corella in here is coded as queer? Oh, interesting. I don't know. I didn't necessarily pay attention to that, and I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> Can you see my... If you could see the inside of my brain, it would be like wheels turning, like literally as, just wheels as turning. my father is fond of saying, <laughs> I smell wood burning. Yeah, there you go. Like. Exactly. Oh, that's such a good dad thing. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's not really any romantic anything in this movie. So it's kind of like 
just aside from that, it exists in a world without romantic relationships. I don't know. That's fair. Because I, I, a freelancer for Observant, I apologize because the name escapes me right now, wrote this incredibly compelling piece as to why she could be seen as a, as a kind of proto-queer icon in a way. And I just thought it was such a unique angle. And frankly, I rewatched it and I was like, you know what? I, I think there are elements, particularly her identity issues that manifest themselves in uh, split personality is not quite the right word, but certainly some internal questioning. Uh, I, I think there is some validity to the argument. And I just thought it added a shade of intrigue that I wouldn't have considered before. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's really interesting and I'm, I'm going to totally look up that piece and read it because that really does interest me yeah (laughs) now one thing one thing i also liked is her whole squad of you know henchmen and supporters i i thought walter hauser was was hilarious in his role i thought they used dogs in a really comedic way that i hadn't quite seen before i i just kind of love the surrogate family she put together i thought i thought that really worked in the movie in in a sea of hit and miss elsewhere Yeah, I really liked their little ragtag group. And it's like, there's a heist element to it. You know, I love a heist. And I think that the the little ragtag group is kind of why, uh, spoiler alert, they are making a sequel. And that, uh, that element of it is why I think that maybe a sequel could work because they have this established group of like little weirdos who are all... (laughs) kind of working together. If we could reverse engineer the perfect movie for Gene, it would be a heist foreign language film and and yeah, maybe starring Emma Stone and who's yeah. somebody, who's a male actor that we've talked about a million times that you love. Like Eddie Hemsworth. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> we are just reverse engineering the ideal Gene movie. Yeah, you, exactly. You, and you mentioned the sequel, which they are coming out with. I'm just a little confused. And this joke has been made on Twitter many times. I'm not trying to steal it. It's just so true. Isn't a Cruella sequel just 101 Dalmatians? I mean, it's probably only about a decade or so in between the Glenn Close version. I, I always saw as kind of in her 40s. And Emma Stone, who as an actress, I believe is 31. You know, it can't be that far off. Yeah, uh, you're right. And that is like the silly part of all of this. (laughs) Like, I feel like, you know, all of this didn't have to be (laughs) this Disney brand extension. And then it could have just been a sequel to like a fun movie. But then now we're like, what are you going to do? And again, I do not care about Cruella DeVille's backstory. So like, I don't know. I don't know. But I do care about like, punk rock Emma Stone in the 70s as a fashion designer that is fun for me yeah the most egregious origin elements were they were fine they were simply fine but ultimately negligible and her in her own element as a fully realized young adult starting the journey of the movie after we get the prerequisite origin story sympathy uh uh elements that's when it really starts to come into its own you know we want her a little bit more fully formed than oh i'm an orphan help me feel bad yeah Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) that's that's a really good emistone impression (laughs) okay i was working on it all day in preparation for this podcast i've debuted it where's my oscar damn it disney i want my check i want a cut of the disney plus revenue 
come on, I'm coming for it yeah. all. You heard Brandon. He deserves an Oscar before Glenn Close. That's what you said. You said yeah, it. That's what I said. You can quote me. Twitter, <laughs> I want you to take this all out of context. Do it. <laughs> uh, all right. So overall, we both really enjoyed Cruella, surprisingly so. Annette. This is a movie starring Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, and I apologize if I'm butchering the pronunciation of that. It is a musical movie about a comedian played by Adam Driver and a famous opera singer played by Marion Cotillard, and how his career is a little bit winding down as they fall in love as hers is taking off, and they have a child together. I guess you can call it a child. And um, it's a weird movie. Uh, Gina, I tapped out after 35 minutes. So I think I'm going to cede the floor a little bit to you on this one because I-, I couldn't do it. I threw in the towel. Maybe I'll go back. Maybe I won't. Wow. Wow. Where to, where to begin? Where, where to begin? To begin. And, and I just okay. want to quickly caveat this with, I left and I already thought it was the weirdest movie I've ever seen at a half hour. Gene tells tells me it gets weird, like endlessly weirder from oh, there, which I don't so even understand weirder. how that's possible. It gets so much weirder. All right, hit me. Okay, so here's the deal. And I just need you to know I'm going to spoil what happens in the movie, but I don't think that it will affect anyone's viewing experience and I will also say that like maybe it will enhance it because I feel like if you're someone like you and how I felt at the beginning was like this is the weirdest movie I've ever watched in my entire life and then it got a thousand times weirder (laughs) that maybe you should know some of the even weirder shit that happens after Brandon turned it off it may entice you yeah okay okay so here we go the first thing you need to know is that move this movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. Two hours and 20 minutes. Okay. There, no movie should be more than two hours anymore. I no. let's just let's stop it. No, it's it shouldn't. But but okay. So as you said, Adam Driver is a stand-up comedian. Uh, none of the scenes, yeah, exactly. None of the scenes of his comedy, uh, reveal that he is funny. Um, so essentially he is a sad, angry man who somehow gets this beautiful French opera singer lady to fall in love with him. So they fall in love with each other and then they sing a song about how in love with that they are. And those are all the lyrics it's just the same lyrics over and over about how in love they are and Um, mind you marion and adam are not professional singers i think they're quite good for normal people but and they sang live on set and so also did anyone tell you that annette is a musical because it is it's a musical and the songs are by the band Sparks, which um, Edgar Wright had a documentary about them that came out earlier this summer. Cool. Um, so they're kind of like a little weirdo cult band. Um, so if you've heard of them and you like them, then you're probably watching this movie. Um, but if you haven't, um, you should know that. Uh, so yeah, they sing about how in love they are. Famously, as we heard from the reviews out of Cannes, um, Adam Driver is singing about how much he loves Marion Cotillard as he is going down on her. Um, Which, admittedly impressive. I'll give yeah, it. That. Sure. And I read a thing that it's like, that was an explainer about it. And they were like, Tori, it's like, he's coming up for air. He's 
Yeah, but like, but the tongue versatility to sing and do what you got to do down there is yeah. quite impressive. I mean, th- yeah. this is a very flexible skill range. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, that is how it starts. And then <laughs> they fall in love. They get married. She gets pregnant. They have a baby. The baby is a wooden puppet (laughs) like a marionette doll type thing yeah that's what it looks like and they like hold it and then they let it's like sort of computer animated as it grows up and it starts they address that it's a wooden puppet no no it's just part of the like surrealism thing okay then adam driver and marion cotillard go out sailing and he kills her and then she becomes like a sea witch who curses him and um, decides that she will haunt him through their daughter. So this puppet baby is actually a puppet baby that is possessed by the ghost of Sea Witch Marianne Cotillard. Well, why does he kill her? I thought they were so much in love. Um, as misogyny. They about. I, yeah, like misogyny. That's that's what we got. Right. There's like a scene where he's me too'd and then nothing happens except he murders his wife, which yeah, that that is a pipeline. Uh hey, and listeners, we, don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. It is not glamorized, I will say. <laughs> this is not glamorized. Okay. So we come back. Uh Marion Cotillard's dead. We have a uh, failed comedian, Adam Driver. We have their haunted wooden baby doll. Uh, there's another character in this movie um, played by Simon Helberg of the Big Bang Theory, who is a composer and like was the pianist who accompanied Marianne Cotillard, the opera singer. Um, and so we find out that they were hooking up before Ooh. Adam Driver met her. And so he thinks the baby is his. Um, but Adam D- Driver doesn't know that yet. And he calls up Simon Helberg and is like, yo, come here. There's something really important. And Simon Helberg's like, oh shit, he knows. And then he gets there and Adam Driver's like, bro, you got to hear this. And then their um, infant wooden possessed baby sings and sounds just like Marianne Cotillard. As one does. (laughs) So then Adam Driver's like, I can't make money anymore because I'm a failed comedian. So I'm going to send my baby um, around the world to be a famous singer. And Simon Helberg's like, isn't that um, exploiting your child? And he's like, so he's Britney Spears' dad. Yeah. He's like, I don't care. And then, so they travel around the world and Annette, the baby Annette is what she is called. And she becomes a superstar, baby Annette. And then eventually Adam Driver and Simon Helberg have a discussion where Simon Helberg's like, yo, I think that this might be my baby and we should maybe not exploit her. And Adam Driver's like, no. And then he murders him. Um, okay. so he just is like a full-on serial killer yeah at this point. yeah 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 okay so then adam driver's like i think i'm gonna stop exploiting my um wooden puppet baby um but first we're gonna have a final concert and so they go to the final concert and then annette comes out um and by annette again remember a possessed wooden <laughs> baby puppet that can walk 
And again, um, as one does. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and she comes out and she goes, daddy kills people. And then everyone finds out that uh, oh, so she blows Adam, up his spot yeah, like at, yeah. at the show. He's like, bro, you're a murderer. And then he um, gets taken in and then he gets um, sent to jail. And then Annette goes to visit him in jail. And she is like, you can't really um, you have no one to love. Um, and then the movie's over. You have no one to love. I mean, he's in jail. No shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why can't can I love you? And she's like, no. So anyway, that that's, is that's Annette. That's well, Annette. Annette. I, I, I am honestly hearing all that. Of course, it's fascinating in that form. A, because you're a good storyteller. And B, because it's funny and we can do a little ping ponging comedy. I'm so happy I didn't continue. And again, yeah. as we talked about before we started recording, I didn't get to sleep until 4 a.m. And, and Gene was like, well, why didn't you just throw Annette back on if you really couldn't sleep? And now I'm glad I didn't. And I went with BoJack Horseman and it was the right call. Good, 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 good. Well, listen, okay. So, so here's the thing. Yeah. I kept watching. Tell me all the things. This is the weirdest. This is the weirdest fucking movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Brendan (laughs) knows. I was texting him. I was texting Scott, uh, our producer, who, um, feel free to chime in, Scott, with some of your thoughts because he had started watching this before we did and sent us some some videos. And he, I believe, tapped out around the same time you did, Brendan. is what I can. <laughs> but he, he's the whole reason we even thought yeah. like we should we should watch this and talk about it yeah. because he was like, guys, I've never seen anything like this. This is bonkers, and you gotta like you have to yeah. witness this bonkery. Yeah, and so we did, and um, <laughs> and it was so weird. And then Brenda tapped out, and I was like, I'm gonna keep going. And then I do not know the turning point. I think it was the scene on the boat. Um, but really, that turned me. And then I was like, I think I love this movie um is that what stockholm syndrome is (laughs) yeah yeah i I think it's one of two outcomes you either are suffering from stockholm syndrome and your captors have now become your you know sympathizers and uh your or the second one is and you and you tell me if i'm right or wrong you appreciated a movie that was deliberately and unflinchingly weird different unique and adhering to a singular vision with not a damn in the world for a studio note or a commercial audience reception. And that I can respect. Yes. Um, I love art with a capital a art. Um, and this <laughs> not art. art that I have a discerning palette because I appreciate art that makes people uncomfortable. Um, yeah, Sure. That one, that one. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. While I was watching the first 35 minutes, clearly before it even gets truly freak flag flying weird, I I was thinking of, I believe it's Ari Aster, the Midsummer and Hereditary. I don't like movies that are deliberately opaque to the point where you have no idea what's going on just for the sake of being a WTF type of vibe. I don't like that. I don't like Ari Aster's movies. And again, people, or Robert Eggers, again, two people, two directors who the film Twitter community would say are, you know, upcoming masters of of their craft. I I just don't like being plunged into a world of artistic license that that has failed to garner the narrative merit to justify these experimentations. Now, I'm not saying anyone needs to agree with me. I just, that's how I felt when I was in Annette. I'm like, this is so 
off kilter and I don't really see the thematic heft or the character emotion resonance to back that up. It is simply ridiculous for ridiculous sake. Now, again, that's not right or wrong. It's just my opinion. But that is why I was turned off. And I like that it was able to kind of bring you back in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was, I was put off at first and it really did bring me back in, but I would also say that I, um, love, uh, nonsense. Uh, (laughs) so I also was like, "Mm, I don't know. Like I need to tell you, I watched bird box this week for the first time. Um, yes. (laughs) August, 2021. I watched Bird Box and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Netflix's first meme movie. There is a, if you had watched it live too, to keep up with like the, the talk and, oh, that was before we knew each other. I'm glad yeah. we know each other now. But it, it, it's like, I hated the movie. I thought it was terrible. But being involved in the live response with the memes and everything, that was a lot of fun. And I'm like, ah, you know, you're, you're a good streaming time. I get it. Yeah, it was a good time. And obviously I had seen the memes at the time and that was funny, but like, I legitimately enjoyed it. Like I will watch any movie with a shot of the wind ominously blowing as that a villain. Uh, The Happening is one of my favorite movies in that my friends and I created a drinking game for it. It's not like, it's a ridiculous movie, but it is very fun to watch. So I texted that same friend about Annette and I was like, hey, my, I texted my friend Jeremy and I was like, have you watched Annette? <laughs> and he texted back, daddy kills people. <laughs> so we had this whole conversation. I like that. Was, That's a friend who understands you. Yeah, he totally does. It was like a Big Bang Theory cast member in a prestige French drama doesn't even register in the top 10 most insane things. And that is true. Wow. And basically he was like the whole, I, I said, I felt like I hallucinated half of it. And he said, the whole movie is a hallucination, honestly. And like, yeah, I, I kind of think that, but I really I think the thing that I liked about it is that it was weird and maybe weird for weird sake at some times but it is also something that is different than you see and it is hard to get a movie that is not very formulaic made let alone have it be like a toast of can um and have it be 141 minutes long um again two hours and 20 minutes of my life and i watched it through the very end of the credits um there is a song at the end at the very end of the credits by the way there's a marvel easter egg (laughs) keep watching people um if you play with form and function i i do respect that particularly as someone someone in our 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 seats you know we watch a lot of entertainment we consume a lot of tv shows and movies so the middle of the road dredge is so apparent right away and when you are deliberately trying to move away from that i do appreciate that but if you're going to experiment with form and function for me you need you need the thematic narratives and the character resonance to back it up and maybe maybe i'll go back and watch this for the the sheer ridiculousness of what you described i might go back I would also say that I can understand why the actors were drawn to it. Adam Driver does a lot of like capital A acting. Um, <laughs> I am a he thespian. Acting. He went to Juilliard and you better, be- you, you know it. Okay. <laughs> I will also say that 
Marion Cotillard doesn't even have any dialogue other than like singing about how much she loves Adam Driver until the one hour into the movie. And she's essentially just a plot device to like show how shitty Adam Driver is. And um, that annoyed me. Like, I, I understand the, the point that was trying to be made about um, this kind of man, but um, just because you're making that point doesn't mean you're not also playing into traditional, you know, <laughs> yeah. traditional tropes. And um, so maybe she annoying. just wanted to sing and this was the only opportunity yeah. to sing. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, Gene, bottom line, we've talked about two very different movies. Which streaming recommendation will you give to our listeners for this weekend? Cruella or Annette? I mean, Cruella. Watch Cruella. Watch Cruella. <laughs> it's fun. I would say watch Annette if you want to watch some batshit crazy stuff happen. That is its own genre. And if that's what you're looking for, I think you just need to get past the like hour mark. And then it devolves into like, that's, that's the thing. The movie could have been shorter. They could have cut out a lot of the stuff between where you tapped out and where we meet the puppet baby, which is an hour in. Um, they really need to make the yeah. puppet baby the star more so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, watch Annette, but I hope <laughs> that this helped you know what you're getting into. <laughs> And after this weekend, please let us know which one you guys did go with and what your thoughts were at hygiene at great underscore Caspi. would love to hear from you guys. And, and speaking of, you know, film drinking games and TV drinking games, if you have a fun one, you'd like us to play on air. We would definitely like to do that. We would definitely consider that. So definitely hit us up on social to, to recommend a few. Uh, and, you know, until next week, everybody. Thank you. Bye.